This episode of Tech News Day is sponsored by Caviar and by Feels. Being a kid right now is not very fun. You've got this never-ending pandemic that's ruining the few brief years of your life that are supposed to be relatively carefree. And on top of that, you've got the ravages of climate change to look forward to dealing with long after the people responsible for it are dead and gone. Some of the only joys left in your young life are video games and social media. But if you live in China, well, sorry, kid. No video games or social media for you. Uh, so... Yeah, that's a slight exaggeration to say that uh, children in China are banned from playing video games and using social media, but their access to both things uh, has been very heavily restricted recently. Uh, in 2019, China capped underage gaming at 90 minutes per day during the week and three hours per day during weekends and holidays. And back in July, Tencent rolled out a facial recognition system to detect whether underage gamers are playing mobile games past the official government gaming curfew of 10 p.m. Lights out. Mm-hmm. And in August, a popular multiplayer game called Honor of Kings was restricted even further, with underage gamers limited to one hour of play on weekdays and two hours on weekends. And then at the end of August, China imposed its strictest rules yet, limiting children to just three hours of gaming per week, and only on weekends, holidays, and between 8 and 9 p.m. on Fridays. The gaming hour. Yeah, I guess. Uh, you imagine, like, the... Uh, if it were true that uh, like heavy traffic actually uh, bogged down uh, speeds of internet access, mm -hmm. like you wouldn't be able to get anything done between eight and nine anyway. Yeah. But uh, it sucks for the mobile gaming companies who monetize on the fact that you don't want to wait around for things to accrue in the game because China's solved that. You are forced to wait around for your uh, little yeah. character to accrue the things by time-based uh, goals. Yeah, you can't play, uh, if you're young, you can't play... Uh... Rust or any of those. Uh, well, it's got dingles games. in it. Fucking penises well, hanging too. out. You can't but, see that. But you got your fort there that you can't defend it because uh, the government says you can't. <laughs> That's what's really going on. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, all of this is being done under the pretense of preventing gaming addiction. Uh, but it's uh, it's a bit ironic considering that China has also spent the last few years heavily investing in the video game industry. Uh, the company Tencent is the world's biggest video game company between its own gaming business and its huge investments in various other gaming companies. But so they're making the games, but don't you even think about playing them. Yeah, they're poisoning our minds over here. Yeah. That's the whole it's point. It's brilliant. Yeah, so now that same approach of wanting to make a shitload of money off of something, but also not wanting its own citizens to get too addicted to that thing, is being applied to TikTok. No little lad dance for the, for the Chinese. Berries and cream. No berries and cream. No berries and cream for you. Smack. Uh, yeah, but yeah, TikTok, they can't be using it. It's China's most popular export. It and really uh, is. for some reason, can't use it in China. China is more than happy to get American youth hooked on TikTok's endless scroll of short videos, but they'll be damned if their own children get high on their own supply. Uh, here's the South China Morning Post. ByteDance's short video app Douyin, the Chinese version of TikTok, is limiting users under the age of 14 years old to just 40 minutes of use per day, tightening technology restrictions on China's youth as Beijing seeks to further crack down on internet addiction following recent video game time limits. In addition to limiting the amount of time children can spend flipping through short videos, the same age group will only be allowed to use Douyin between 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. Similar to TikTok's rise overseas, Douyin has become one of China's most popular apps, with more than 600 million daily active users in the country. Fucking Xi Jinping, all he saw was one of those mommy milker videos, and he's like, but shut it down! Mm -mm. Shut it down! We've had our hand in the honeypot for too long! This shit is obviously counter-revolutionary, <laughs> and I want it the fuck out! Yeah. Wait, it makes how much money? All right, just okay, shut it well, down here. 
All right, we'll figure something out. Yeah. Uh, so that article continues. To make the new policy work, ByteDance is requiring users to authenticate their identities. The company suggested that parents could help their children complete the process in order to enter youth mode, according to a post on the app's official WeChat account on Saturday. As another option for parents, ByteDance has launched a new TikTok-like app for children called Zhao Ku Ching, which uh, literally translate as, translates as Little Fun Star. Mm, that's fun. Yeah, similar to Douyin's youth mode, uh, Zhao Ku Ching features educational content that limits users to up to 40 minutes per day, with the default for weekdays set at 30 minutes. And parents have the option to reduce that time further in the settings, down to just 15 minutes each day. Even for the educational stuff? Too much education can also be bad. You know, you don't want these kids too smart. It's just the same plan in America. Yeah. If they get too smart, then we won't be able to control them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Anyway, as we pointed out in the past, China getting the rest of the world hooked on video games and social media and making tons of money off of it while going out of their way to try to prevent actual Chinese citizens from getting too hooked on any of it. It's kind of brilliant. And it could be argued that this might be uh, maybe some long overdue revenge against the West for doing a similar thing against China back in the 1800s, but with opium instead of video games and social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also the fact that China's historical nemesis and their neighbor, Japan, is full of otakus who just sit on the computer all day. And China probably doesn't want that to happen in their own country. Yeah. Or I don't know, maybe they just really are taking the idea of internet addiction and gaming addiction seriously, and that's all there is to it. I doubt it, but... Yeah. Who knows? In any case, sorry to the children of the People's Republic of China. You're just going to have to find, uh, going to have to touch grass, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it, we, we tried to do it with the export of Hollywood movies and TV shows, and they did like the, the card that sends it back where they're like, wow, we'll own the studios. Yeah. And then we'll make sure that uh, you make what we want people to watch. Yeah. We're going to get into the movie business real big, but also we're only going to accept like 10 Western movies every year, and they better be very deferential to us. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, anyways, uh, moving on now from newfangled ideas like gaming addiction and internet addiction to more established ailments like depression, dementia, and autism. Wouldn't it be great if instead of having to go to a doctor for a diagnosis, you could just get a push notification on your phone that says, You are autistic. Well, apparently Apple is trying to make the iPhone able to detect those things. Um, let's read from the Wall Street Journal, who spoke to sources and looked at documents about this secret project. Using an array of sensor data that includes mobility, physical activity, sleep patterns, typing behavior, and more, researchers hope they can tease out digital signals associated with the target conditions so that algorithms can be created to detect them reliably, the people said. Apple hopes that would become the basis for unique features for its devices, according to the people and documents. The research projects are still at early stages and may never lead to new device features, the people said. While prior academic studies have shown some evidence that people with certain mental health conditions use their digital devices differently than others, it remains to be seen if reliable algorithms can be created to detect the conditions, according to researchers. All right, you guys, turn on that new tech that we were talking about that uh, finds out how many people are depressed. Yeah? All right, hey, fire it up. Let's see what the country looks like. Oh, it looks like no one's depressed at all. No, the oh, wait. Co- it's it's the other way. Oh, oh, oh everyone in the country is depressed. Well, that can't be right. Ah, well, uh, well, back to the drawing back board. To the drawing board. No, sir, we checked it four, five, six times. This is they're accurate. all depressed, all of them. Yes. None of them are happy. 
Uh, here's more. Apple also has a research project with Duke University that aims to create an algorithm to detect childhood autism, including uh, to use the iPhone's camera to observe how young children focus, according to the documents and people familiar with the work. The promise of detection tools for people with severe neurological or mood disorders is that you could intervene early and potentially prevent worse outcomes, said Faraz Hussein, the lead developer at BioEffect, an academic research project at the University of Illinois Chicago that uses typing data from smartphones to predict moods. Quote, it's the ability to peek inside how our mind is functioning instead of relying on self-reports that are often subjective, using digital exhaust from our daily lives that would otherwise be lost. Okay, mm. so obviously there's some pretty big issues <laughs> yeah. with this. I mean, the biggest of which is that it's not even clear yet if it's possible to detect mental and neurological issues using just data that your phone is passively collecting. Um, but that's currently what they're trying to figure out through a study conducted uh, by UCLA researchers. Participants in that study will have a whole lot of data points collected. Uh, from the article again, UCLA researchers will track data from the iPhone's video camera, keyboard, and audio sensors, and data from the watch related to movement, vital signs, and sleep, according to the documents and people familiar with the study. The data that may be used includes analysis of participants' facial expressions, how they speak, the pace and frequency of their walks, sleep patterns, and heart and respiration rates. They may also measure the speed of their typing, frequency of their typos, and content of what they type, among other data points, according to the people familiar with the research and the documents. Um, as for how the iPhone is supposed to correlate any of that with the signs of anxiety and depression, uh, they're also having all the study's participants fill out questionnaires about how they feel, and they're taking hair samples to analyze the levels of the stress hormone cortisol in participants' hair. Uh, the goal is to detect enough differences between the iPhone data of people with anxiety and depression and the iPhone data of people without those things that they can train the iPhone to detect mental illness. Uh, it does seem far-fetched, but okay, also, I think they're going to find that uh, it's going to be a lot harder to find people uh, without anxiety or depression these days as a like a, a, a safety pool of uh, things to test against. Yeah. Um, wow, this person Googles a lot of shit that they're worried all the time. Yeah. And also, I mean, I think a problem, especially, especially here, that there's probably a lot of people who do have uh, clinically diagnosable depression and anxiety. And, and they can't who, do anything about it. Though they can't do anything about it. And also they wouldn't even know because they've just convinced themselves like, oh, this is just- this How is, people are. This is just what life is like. Yes, exactly. It's just <laughs> fucking miserable. I, I'm just not, I'm not on that grind set enough. Well, I'm well, not hustling hard enough. That's the thing is like, uh, the argument would be made, I guess, to be like, well, if they're gonna afford an iPhone, they're gonna, it's like, look. iPhone is like two sessions with a uh, licensed like <laughs> yeah, psychiatrist. Yeah, without insurance, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, um, the medication alone, like monthly medication alone yeah. for anxiety, to treat anxiety and depression without insurance is astronomical over the yeah. course of like one year. So even getting a, a uh, actual psychiatrist to diagnose you, like yeah. I can get an iPhone on my doorstep by like tomorrow, this, this time tomorrow. I, if I wanted to set up an appointment with a psychiatrist, it's probably like six weeks uh, yeah. of waiting time. It's uh. It's not easy, so. Yeah, that's gonna be the worst. It's like, hey. You have this problem, you should do something about you're it. You're depressed. Well, okay, cool. <laughs> Tell I, me something I don't know, you fucking phone. Can't do shit about that. Why don't you show me like some happy pictures or something? Yeah. Anyway, another big issue is uh, all that data that's being collected yeah. to figure this out. I mean, Apple's documents indicate that they would be doing all of this monitoring entirely locally on the user's phones without sending it to Apple's servers. Uh, but even if that's true, it's still a little unsettling to think that your phone's just constantly monitoring what you do 
so that it can detect whether you might have an undiagnosed mental health issue. Also, probably uses up a lot of battery. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. But uh, on the other hand, I don't know. Boomers generally don't seem to give much of a shit about their data privacy already. So at least with this, they would be able to get like an early free Alzheimer's diagnosis out of it. Yeah. Uh, but You're Googling what your kids' names are a lot. Yeah, yeah. Have you considered that you might have cognitive decline? No, they'd be like, absolutely not. And then they would eat some fucking grape that no one's ever heard of to cure it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I heard about it on a Facebook group. Cures Alzheimer's. It's a really special kind of grape. Doctors missed it. Uh, but again, yeah, this whole thing might just be a pipe dream. Kind of sounds like it is. And honestly, if mental health care in this country wasn't such a joke, there'd be no need for any of this. We could all see an actual doctor, get a- get analyzed, find out if... Uh, you know, we're suffering from any of these things without a phone needing to... Uh, Constantly scan your face <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. yeah, monitor your speech patterns and your typing patterns and your walking gait. I'm telling that. you, like, with... I, 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 realistically, this isn't going to happen. But I just I feel like with the pandemic and everything leading up to it, with, like, the share generation, like, we are, I maybe, I don't know, hopefully... Heading for uh, like kind of like a generational shift of just like not letting this into our lives. Yeah, I hope so. Cause yeah. like, I mean, you already for I I didn't realize this because we've both been out of the mainstream workforce for so long. Yeah, I didn't know this until recently. But a lot of jobs make you like do fucking weird personality tests and shit like that. Uh, Isn't that just a job hired? interview? Now it's like these these very official uh, these, these they're straight up personality tests and then they va- evaluate your worthiness for the job based on how you answer these questions. I don't like that at all. And uh, the idea that they'd be like, all right, so uh, before we can hire you, just carry around this iPhone and wear this Apple Watch for the next week or so, yeah, and uh, yeah. we'll look at the data and uh, we'll figure out if it you're... must be that you, that must be why there's a labor shortage right now. You're right, Elliot, because uh, the, all these people hiring for uh, uh, restaurants, they're like, oh, these people are they're all sad. Yeah, I don't want a sad person working here. I mean, that is uh, honestly for the U.S. That is another thing that like, I, hopefully there's a reckoning on that because we expect em- our low wage employees to just act like they're fucking like, happy everything's fine all yeah. day long. Like and they're not. That's not stressed. good for you. Yeah, like. Like, they're not stressed about, like, bills or rent or yeah. anything they're else. They're supposed to be so cheery. And boomers will, like, literally ask to speak to the manager if they don't get smiled at, like, Yeah, and then they're enough. like, oh, my God, my job's in the line and my kid's not going to have food. You go to, like, any other country, the people there are cold and distant, and it's great. Because yeah. I, I'm just, I'm buying something, you're selling it to me. We're not, we're not fucking friends. <laughs> like... Yeah. As long as you're doing your job, I don't give a shit. The culture shock of, like, uh, Europeans going to Applebee's. Yeah. It's like, wait, hold on, it's your birthday? Let's get the whole crew out here. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Yeah. No, I, I would just... This is, I'm going to blow your fucking mind. Your birthday, right? We did the impossible. We put a cookie and a brownie together. And then we put two little American flags on it. <laughs> and, brother, wait till you have this. We're gonna put a scoop of ice cream on top, and it's it, since we've just cooked this brookie, as we call it, mm-hmm. it's going to melt the ice cream. The most delicious thing you've ever. By the way, a week worth of calories. Yeah. But you're not. You're here in America. You're partying. You're from Europe. You know what a la mode means. <laughs> just have a little <laughs> bit of olive oil to wash it down. You'll be fine. <laughs> Go have a cigarette outside. You'll Cigarettes. Be all good. A bowl of heavy cream. <laughs> Anyways, moving on to uh, NFT news. 
Yeah, remember those? Non-flushable turds. <laughs> uh, they are still around. Uh, Non-fungible tokens. Yeah. Fungible or fungible? fungible? I fucked up the first time, and, and now I'm sticking with it for it's not a real word. Throughout so I'm the gonna, entire time. I know it is a real word, but yeah. I I don't like that it exists because it's uh, an ugly word. NFTs, aka art backed by the blockchain, mm -hmm. essentially, or anything you want to tokenize, I guess. Uh, they're still around despite the initial hype around them uh, almost completely dying down. Uh, one of our favorite aspects of the NFT craze is that as soon as the hype around NFTs being uh, the future of art began, so did NFT art heists. And this week, The Verge published a story about one such heist in which a guy who definitely should have known better got his NFT collection cleaned out by scammers who used basic social engineering. Let's read. Last month, Jeff Nicholas popped into the Discord channel for OpenSea, the popular NFT marketplace, looking for help with a royalties issue. Within minutes, someone by the name of Pascal OpenSea responded, inviting him into a separate Discord called OpenSea Support Server. There, he was greeted by Nate OpenSea, given a queue number, and eventually started talking through a resolution process with the two agents. Pascal is the name of OpenSea's customer support lead, and Nate might have been Nate Chastain, its head of product at the time, but there was no Nate or Pascal and Nicholas wasn't in a customer support channel. He'd been targeted by a group of scammers masquerading as OpenSea employees, and they got right to work. Holding Nicholas in customer support purgatory, they would ping him intermittently, telling him his turn was approaching. By online customer service standards, it was typical, good even, for how personal they were acting. Tailored messages, an exclusive Discord invite, and multiple team members all working as fast as they could. So it continues, if anything felt off in the conversations, it was that Nate kept calling him my guy. <laughs> uh, but between family obligations and customer service exhaustion, Nicholas overlooked the faux pas. Uh, after hours of back and forth, they casually suggested he share his screen with them. To Nicholas, this was just the next step in the troubleshooting process. For the scammers, their eyes began to glow. Over the next hour, the scammers wiped out NFT apes, cats, and dogs from Nicholas's wallet. Because he had shared his screen, they were able to snap a picture of the QR code synced to his private key or seed phrase, quietly gaining full access to his assets. To stall Nicholas, the scammers calmly assured him that the royalty payments were arriving, all while frantically transferring his NFTs away. When his suspicions finally blew over, it was already too late. The damage totaled about 150 ETH, or roughly $480,000. As soon after he was scammed, he tweeted out a single word. Fuck. That is a single-family home in Mobile, Alabama. Yeah. $480,000 these days. Not here in L.A., though. That's a, a one-bedroom apartment. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a parking space downtown. Cool. I would <laughs> buy a parking space for $400,000. For, that, that thing will make $500,000 in two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the article does go on to explain how Nicholas managed to get most of his NFTs back from the people that the scammers sold them to. Uh, basically, the NFT community is pretty tight-knit, so people were willing to donate some extra Ethereum and their own NFTs to help fundraise the cost of buying the stolen NFTs from their current owners, who had no idea they were buying stolen goods. And because of the way this shit works... I mean... If you've got... If you own it, you own it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's nice to hear that uh, he got... Most of his. Well, I appreciate back. the support. Mine was number 45 out of 89, and this one is clearly number 63 out of 89. <laughs> so the sentimental value isn't there, but it's just not the same. I do appreciate the community coming together. This kind of thing happened uh, back when, uh, at the very beginning, there was like Nifty Gateway had a yeah. Discord, and like they had to like shut things down and be like, don't talk to anyone that claims to be yeah. from the website. Well, it's because it's just like with cryptocurrency, you have to be very careful about 
your own shit. Like, yeah. you, there's no bank or anything. It's just you are responsible for security yeah. of your property. But it's also, like, and if everyone who's into NFTs, it seems like a relatively small group who, at this point, are just passing the same NFTs back and forth between I had, each I had other. I a bunch of friends who got into some, like, I, I'm so out of it that I didn't even realize, like, I haven't been following. But they, they all got super into Lazy Lions, and apparently they're doing great with those. Okay. But, uh, yeah, everyone in NFTs is, like, so pumped about NFTs that, yeah. like, they, they, they kind of let their guard down. And they're very, very easy to scam, it seems like. Well, as you said, I mean, the, that's the thing is, like, the community aspect, it's so friendly and tight-knit that it's, yeah. like, you you would let your guard down because look how nice the community mm-hmm. is. And there's going to be bad actors that use that uh, goodwill against you. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Yeah. So uh, I'm glad this seems to have mostly worked out. But uh, also the whole thing, it's a great reminder that despite all the supposed benefits of blockchain, there's some pretty serious downsides to it if you're not just constantly super vigilant about not getting ripped off. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of the blockchain, everyone uh, already knows how awful most cryptocurrencies and NFTs are for the environment due to the amount of electricity being used constantly by millions of computers around the world to very verify every single transaction. Although the the NFT space, to be fair, has gotten a lot better. A lot and, of yeah, a lot of them are using newer blockchains that have uh, much more efficient uh, yes. proof of proof of stake, proof of work. Yeah, and that, that's because like. This, this blew up very early on, and one of the good side effects of it was they're like, yeah, I mean, this does kind of suck. We should probably figure out a more efficient way to do that. I feel like most of them are still on Ethereum, though. And Ethereum did announce a few months back, they're like, guys, I know we've been saying this for the better part of a decade, but it's it's happening. It's happening. We're, we're switching yeah. to, uh, we're switching our, our verification method. Either it's way, gonna be, it's going to be so efficient. The, the newer stuff has moved to much more efficient. Uh, well, that's, that's good. Yeah. Uh, anyways, in addition to electricity usage and the carbon pollution that it creates, crypto also has a huge e-waste problem. Uh, the energy usage has gotten most of the attention, but uh, some researchers recently tried to quantify just how much e-waste Bitcoin specifically was creating. And, uh, I mean, you shouldn't be surprised, but it, it's pretty bad. It's real bad. Uh, Very here, wasteful. Here's the Guardian. A single Bitcoin transaction generates the same amount of electronic waste as throwing two iPhones in the bin, according to a new analysis by economists from the Dutch Central Bank and MIT. While the carbon footprint of Bitcoin is well studied, less attention has been paid to the vast churn in computer hardware that the cryptocurrency incentivizes. Specialized computer chips called ASICs are sold with no other purpose than to run the algorithms that secure the Bitcoin network, a process called mining that rewards those who partake with Bitcoin payouts. But because only the newest chips are power efficient enough to mine profitably, effective miners need to constantly replace their ASICs with newer, more powerful ones. Quote, The lifespan of Bitcoin mining devices remains limited to just 1.29 years, writes the researchers Alex DeVries and Christian Stoll in the paper, Bitcoin's Growing E-Waste Problem, published in the journal Resources, Conservation, and Recycling. Quote, as a result, we estimate that the whole Bitcoin network currently cycles through 30.7 metric kilotons of equipment per year. This number is comparable to the amount of small IT and telecommunication equipment waste produced by a country like the Netherlands. Basically, this e-waste problem is an offshoot of the energy usage problem. If you're mining Bitcoin, you're using a lot of electricity. Electricity costs money. So you better be getting more in Bitcoin than you're spending on your power bills. Otherwise, you'd be fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on top of that, Bitcoin is designed to become harder to mine over time. And as the number of Bitcoin miners increase, 
it's obviously going to be harder to make money off of it. So mm -hmm. you have to be efficient. Uh, it is a constant arms race on the hardware side, and that means having to regularly replace your mining rig with something newer, faster, and more efficient. Meanwhile, your old mining rig is now completely useless. It's simply e-waste, which is a huge environmental problem due to all the harmful materials and electronic waste. So not great. Yeah, and also um, creates supply chain shortages for components that uh, would otherwise be going to... Gamers. Gamers, yeah. Yeah. Would otherwise be going to gamers. That's why they delayed Battlefield for real. They were like, well, I don't know if people have the new cards. You're going to want to play this on a new GPU, and uh, yeah, frankly... Well, sorry. I didn't know it got delayed. How much did it delay? Two weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, yeah right. it's not like a year <laughs> or anything like that. Because I was actually, I'm actually oh, very excited oh, for this game. By the way... I think they fixed it and extended the beta, but the fucking Call of Duty Vanguard beta was so broken. I tried to play. Yeah, I didn't it was even like try. The, first of all, there was like massive bloom everywhere. Then uh, there was like uh, like the gun would turn into a giant jagged block. You couldn't even oh, see anything. That was a problem. Uh, that's funny. That that was a glitch that was around for like two weeks in yeah. Warzone a little over a year ago. Yeah, it just turns into this black. Like goop that takes up half the screen. Yeah, and then like the the sides <laughs> of the maps uh, would be like jagged, colorful crystals. It was yeah. just a huge graphical problem that like, if you're pushing a beta, like how was this not seen before the beta went live? Because everyone was experiencing this. This was like I I went and signed up for the new subreddit, like joined the new subreddit, and it's just like a constant stream yeah. of people being like, "What the fuck is wrong with this?" Well, and it's then, a beta. Yeah. <laughs> Sledgehammer like tweeted they're like oh we've isolated the issues to the uh, whatever the new Xbox is like I've lost count it's like Xbox Series X, sure I think they're oh, it's uh, it's the uh, the frame rate or something like that and everyone's like no I'm playing on the One X mm -hmm. or whatever the fuck and I'm playing at sixty frames a second and it's still fucking broken yeah I think that they it has improved and they extended the beta but it's like. Listen, Activision... Way to get your best foot through the door. Activision is going through some stuff right now. They, yeah. they got the California lawsuit. The SEC is coming after them yeah. now. They're being sued by a labor union. Yeah, now when uh, you type in Activision into Google, it's like, oh, Call of Duty Vanguard beta. Yeah. Terrible. Their executives keep quitting. Because why would you stick around? Make the beta worse. We're getting good headlines. Yeah. Keep, keep the distraction <laughs> away from our horrific uh, labor record. Yeah. Just focus on making this game broken as fuck. Uh, even so, like, it, I just not... I, I, Battlefield, I like a bit more. The run and gun, like, yeah. tight area. I'm excited for the new Warzone, which will be free, so... There you go. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, we got more news for you coming up in just a minute. But first, this episode is sponsored by Caviar. We've all been there. It's late. You worked all day. You got no energy to cook. All you want is that perfect burger from the local grill or the homemade pasta dish from your local Italian place. Let Caviar... Take it from there. Caviar is the food delivery app for people that are into good food. They bring the best local restaurants directly to your doorstep. Now, other apps might have national chains, but Caviar, they keep it local. Those hidden gems in your neighborhood, they're on Caviar. Caviar curates local options for every taste, whether it's the perfect Reuben from the sandwich shop or the best Indian vegan curry. You always have options for whatever you want. Not sure what you want to eat? Let Caviar staff picks recommend the best spots in your neighborhood to find your new favorite. And just for our viewers, Caviar is offering $10 off an order of $20 or more. All you have to do is put in the offer code TECHNEWSDAY, all one word, at checkout. That is $10 off a purchase of $20 or more with offer code TECHNEWSDAY. Download the Caviar app and use offer code TECHNEWSDAY. This episode is also sponsored by Feels. CBD isn't about what you feel, it's about what you don't feel. Stress, anxiety, pain, sleeplessness. You don't need your iPhone to tell you that. <laughs> if you experience any 
any of these things, Feels CBD is a safe and natural solution without any harmful side effects. Feels is a better way to feel better. Feels is a premium CBD that will help keep your head clear and feeling your best. It's hassle-free, delivered directly to your door. CBD naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. There's no hangover, no addiction. We both use Feels for back pain, neck Old pain, man pain, falling asleep. All the all the typical. Old I've been man down things. to the senior centers playing uh, p- pickleball. Yeah. And boy, do I need my CBD afterwards. Need those joints to be. I can't even imagine what the uh, actual <laughs> old people are going through. They need yeah. some of the CBD. But, uh, uh, but no, the, my, the best case that I use it for is uh, if I'm up late editing, it takes a long time for my brain to shut down, down after staring at the screens and stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, luckily, they came out with the new uh, the like, mints. The mints. Those things are perfect. I pop good. one of those when the video is exporting, and by the time I'm ready to go to bed. Good to go. Mm. So, yeah, all you do uh, with the standard feels is you place a, a few drops under your tongue, and you can feel the difference within minutes. Uh, or, like we said, feels has new mints if you want the added bonus of fresh breath. Uh, the thing to remember about CBD, though, is that finding the right dose is important, and everyone's dose is different. So, feels offers a free CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience so that you find your perfect dose. The feels customer service team, they are dedicated to making sure you get the best use of your CBD. Joining the Feels monthly membership makes your self-care easy. You'll save money on every order, and you can pause or cancel anytime. Start feeling better with Feels. Become a member today by going to feels.com newsday, and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That is F-E-A-L-S dot newsday to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com newsday. Back into the news now, though, and uh, speaking of stress... Here's a very distressing new COVID-19 milestone. Are you ready? COVID-19 has officially killed more Americans than the 1918 flu pandemic, aka Spanish flu, making it officially the deadliest disease outbreak in recent U.S. history. We did it. I mean, it's the deadliest in recorded history. I'm sure more Native Americans died from smallpox and all the other various old world diseases we brought over, but we don't have the numbers for that. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, 1918 flu, the the uh, gold standard of plagues in the U.S. We've we've ju- we've topped it, guys. We did it. We, we did, it. did it, America. This is like the Cubs winning the World Series. Yay! It took a hundred years, but by God, we did it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, this week the death toll crossed uh, 675,000. Which, if you need a visual aid for that, uh, right now there's currently around 650,000 little white flags uh, planted in the grass in front of the Washington Monument. That's a lot of fucking flags. It's a staggering amount of flags. Yeah, I remember, uh, I have it. I have it in a closet. uh, But I remember a couple of months into the pandemic, the New York Times did a print edition that listed the the 100,000 names of the people that had died. And I was like, well, this is going to be historic. I'm going to actually buy this and, yeah. and hold on to it. And it's insane to think that this is not yeah. even that it's killed this many, but that it's still just raging on. Yep. Yep. Um, so, yeah, but each one of the flags at the monument, uh, that is someone who has died. Uh, and you can add a few more now uh, from the virus. They're having trouble keeping up. Yeah. Uh, anyways, here's CNBC. COVID-19 is officially the most deadly outbreak in recent American history, surpassing the estimated U.S. fatalities from the 1918 influenza pandemic, according to data compiled by Johns Hopkins University. Reported U.S. deaths due to COVID crossed 675,000 on Monday and are rising at an average of more than 1,900 fatalities per day, John Hopkins' data shows. The nation is currently experiencing yet another wave of new infections fueled by the fast-spreading Delta variant. 
The 1918 flu, which came in three waves, occurred in the spring of 1918, the fall of 1918, and the winter and spring of 1919. Killed an estimated 675,000 Americans, according to the Centers for the Disease Control and Prevention. It was considered America's most lethal pandemic in recent history, up until now. So, yeah, to be fair, the total U.S. population in 1918 was less than a third of what it is now. So even though the virus has killed more people, the 1918 pandemic was proportionally way worse, at least for now, God willing. Uh, but considering how much better equipped we are uh, for dealing with a pandemic compared to 100 years ago, the current situation is still deeply shameful. Uh, here's from the article again. Unlike today, there was no vaccine for the 1918 flu. There was also no CDC or National Public Health Department. The Food and Drug Administration existed, but consisted of a very small group of people. Additionally, there were no antibiotics, intensive care units, ventilators, or IV fluids. Scientists hadn't even seen a virus under a microscope. They didn't have the technology, and they knew almost nothing of virology, which was considered a nascent science because viruses are physically smaller under a microscope and more difficult to identify than bacterial infections. Quote, Obviously, we have much better advantages now. A hundred years later, Dr. Paul Offit, who advises the FDA on COVID vaccines, said, adding he is frustrated. And probably exhausted. Yeah. Uh, basically, people in 1918 had some pretty good excuses for why shit went so badly. We don't. And it's not just that medical science wasn't nearly where it is today. The 1918 flu, at least the earlier waves, was a much more deadly disease than the one we're dealing with today. We've got better medicine, a less deadly disease, and most importantly, a readily available vaccine that is completely free. And at this point, the people who are getting hospitalized and dying are overwhelmingly the people who chose not to get vaccinated. So get vaccinated. Yeah. And if you have, good job. It's, it's the easiest thing in the world. And you did it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and now it's time for the flu vaccine. So yeah, go get that one. And they're saying, I don't know if this is just scaremongering, but they, they are saying this year's, this year's mainstream flu strain might be a bad one. Get the, get but the, they get never the really know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, here's here's some more uh, extremely grim news. This is wild. In 2020, there were more deaths than births in the state of Alabama. Hey, here's NPR. In 2020, for the first time in recorded history, more people died in Alabama than were born in the state. Quote, our state literally shrunk, Dr. Scott Harris, the state's top health official, said at a press briefing last week. The state saw some 64,714 total deaths last year, Harris said, compared with about 57,641 births. Those numbers are preliminary and officials will confirm them towards the end of this year. Alabama hasn't hit such a milestone in more than 100 years, not even during World War II, Harris noted. The coronavirus, which is spreading in Alabama as well as much of the country, is what's behind those numbers. The Delta variant currently circulating is putting a strain on critical health care systems in Alabama, as the state currently doesn't have enough ICU beds for those who need them. Still, some politicians there continue to push back on vaccines. Alabama Attorney General Steve Marshall joined other GOP attorneys general last week in threatening to sue the White House over its recent vaccine mandate plan. Let us die! Just let us fucking die! Let me die at Hooters! Uh, yeah, so that's all extremely depressing. But uh, instead of ending the show on a downer, uh, let's tell you about a new board game that some friends of ours are crowdfunding right now on Kickstarter. It's called Futility, the Actual Game of Living. And it's from our friends at the Good People Association, Josh McCuga, Ken Knapsack, and Mark Riley. And rather than tell you about it, let's just uh, play the trailer for the game. Are you ready for the greatest game ever played? Of course you are! This is Futility, the actual game of living. It's dynamic, 
confusing, treacherous. Futility is the first board game to bring that feeling of living on a day-to-day -day basis to your game night with hilarious twists and turns. It's the right amount of real life to make you remember it's all futile, so we might as well enjoy the ride. Work your way around the board earning checks while trying to navigate actually living. You could land on a space and be invited into a sex cult, a pyramid scheme, be the parrot to a 14-year-old social media influencer. You'll eventually make your way into the futility zone where destiny awaits. Or does it? Futility, the actual game of living, is not responsible for any emotional stress from contagious laughter. Ideas and jokes made in this game are completely for entertainment purposes and should not be used as small business ideas. If any of the jokes have offended anyone playing the game, please make sure to complain to our hotline. 1-800-NOBODY-ANSWERS-THIS-PHONE. Futility, the actual game of living. The greatest game you'll ever play, where the ultimate goal is just making the most out of futility. It's the next generation of fun in board games. All right, so if that sounds like something you'd want to play, the Kickstarter has about a month left to go. They're still only about, only about halfway to hitting their funding goals, so uh, we'll leave a link down below if you want to fund we gotta that project. we got to go on their show and, and play it. Uh, get your hands on a copy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think they, they right now all they have is like a shitty paper version. They're, they're paying someone else, obviously, to manufacture the game for them. That paper version's going to be worth a million dollars one yeah. day. But uh, this looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, it's a silly, silly adult board game. So, uh, yeah, if you want to play that, Fund the Kickstarter. There you go. Uh, anyways, if you want to check out our other videos, we have uh, two for you over here. There's a new episode of Weekly Weird News. And uh, nothing much has changed. Uh, we have we have a rundown of the story of the uh, the missing Gabby blogger turned into a, a murder case. Uh, there was supposed to be a uh, press statement from uh, the Brian's family. That mm -hmm. got canceled. Um, he's still missing and presumed to be the one responsible Mm -hmm. Very likely case. Mm -hmm. So check both of those videos out. Subscribe to the channel, leave a comment, and we'll see you very soon for some news dump. Bye-bye.